welcome to season number five of the Get Your Money Right podcast. The podcast where not only do we want you to get your money, we want you to get your money right. I'm the Money Misfit, and I'll be your host on this show as we try to reveal the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth when it comes to you and your money. And if you're finally ready to take it to the next level, head over and go pick up one of our free resources at yourmoneyright.com. Again, that's yourmoneyright.com. What's the good news, people? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Get Your Money Right podcast, the podcast where we talk about money like it's everybody's business. Because I truly believe if we're not good with money, it's because we don't talk about money. And this show is designed to change just that. I am your host, The Money Misfit, Jamar DuPas. This is episode number 72. And today, we're going to talk about several things that I wish I would have known before buying my first home. Because (laughs) trust me, there was a lot. And I believe this will be the beginning of a series uh, for those of you who are getting prepared, getting ready to buy a home for the first time or second, third or fourth, fifth time, especially coming up here in this next year. So I hope you're going to like it. If this is your first time tuning in, let's say welcome. Welcome. Thank you for being here. I don't know how you found me, but I appreciate you being here. This is a different type of personal finance podcast. We talk about money as it relates to real life, how you can use it to prepare yourself, your family, your future to live it out the way you want to live it, right? How to take money, have it work for you, have it multiply for you and do it right. What's for you, not what big banks and broke people have been telling us to do for a long, long time. And and so if you want to find out more about what we do and how we do it, head over to our website at yourmoneyright.com. Again, that's yourmoneyright.com. And make sure you sign up for one of our uh, on our get my best stuff on the email list. That's where I share all the good stuff. We also have a private Facebook group where we talk about all kinds of cool things and all that good stuff. So come and join us over there. So check that out today. I want to get right into it. I don't want to waste a whole lot of time because there's some things that I want to talk about. Uh, And I want to make sure that we get it all in. So today, just to kind of give a quick run through of what we're going to talk about. It's really going to be about seven things, seven topics uh, that we're going to talk about as it relates to things that I wish I would have known before uh, buying our first home. Because there was a lot of lessons, right? Of course, I can't go over all of them. We're going to go over about seven or so of those things. And then maybe in another episode, we'll talk about how you can prepare yourself uh, for the home buying process. But today, I just kind of want to give you some heads ups, some things that uh, I learned and I think could be valuable to you, especially when it comes to your own home buying process, uh, especially if this is your first time or you felt like you've made a mistake with your first home and you're looking to make a purchase on a second home or maybe you're looking for an investment property or whatnot. But anyway, that's what we're going to talk about today. So the first thing I want to make sure that we mention which is the first thing on our list is that your home buying process, it won't be like house hunters <laughs> or house hunters international or house hunters, you know, islands or whatever like that. You won't have this realtor that comes to you and gives you three options to choose from. And one of those three options is going to be the perfect home for you. You're going to get in it. You're going to close on it and you're going to live it out happily ever after. Or you'll be at your island in your new kitchen, cutting up fruit and inviting friends over and having 
you know, wine and things like that, cheese and crackers within, you know, a couple hours. It doesn't work that like that. There may be a few instances where uh, maybe you do get lucky. Maybe you have the best realtor in the world who's also a psychic and they do find you, you know, your perfect home in the first three choices that they give you. Right. And you go see it and you put offer on it and the deal goes through every single time and everything works out hunky dory. I was going to tell you that's not happened how it happened for us. In fact, it took us over a year really to to buy our home. Right. And we went through several homes, several homes. Uh, and we actually went to the closing table on a few where the home didn't go through. Right. There was something wrong with the title or the title company found, you know, whatever the situation or the the seller didn't do the things that they said they were going to do. They just I had one seller just flat out just didn't do anything that he said he was going to do. And so I guess he figured, look, if I want to buy that house that, you know, if he just delayed all the way up until, you know, we did a walkthrough or right up until it was time to close that we were just going to close anyway. But apparently he didn't know who I was. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, things will sometimes jump in the way and you won't necessarily uh, find that house, even if the house looks perfect to you. Even if they they did a renovation, we saw this one home. They did a beautiful renovation on it. Right. And we put in an offer. We actually competed on this offer and we won the bid. And when we went through our inspections. Right. <laughs> I had an amazing inspector. We'll talk about inspections here in a minute. And uh, but it didn't take rocket a rocket scientist to find out what he found. But though the house was renovated, had new floors, brand new kitchens, cabinetry, brand new doors, brand new bathrooms, carpet, uh, brand new carpet in all the bedrooms, uh, had brand new windows. It had a brand new roof, had some landscaping and all that. Right. Uh, But when he did the inspection, he went up into the attic and they told us they put a brand new AC unit. But the AC unit wasn't brand new. In fact, the AC unit wasn't even hooked up. In fact, if you went into the attic, there was not a lick of insulation in the attic, right? And even worse than that, they didn't even have the air ducts connected to the AC unit that wasn't plugged up that was in the attic. So for those of you who are not down south, down here, we don't have basements, right? So uh, our, our AC and our furnace and all that stuff is in the attic. So it's not in the basement. Anyway, he had the, the people had nothing connected. I mean, there was literally no air ducts in the attic anywhere to be found. And of course, there was none in the floor because, again, we build our homes down here on slabs for the most part, which we probably shouldn't be. But we do down here for the most part, build our homes on slabs. So our AC and our vents, they run through the attic down here. And there was absolutely none in there. So the house looked nice. You know, they did a real cosmetic job. They put a new stove, new refrigerator, new countertops, new floors, new cabinets, new all this new stuff, new paint. But the internals of it was all jacked up. The electricity was all old and outdated and out of uh, it was probably going to cause a fire. The AC, the, the most important stuff wasn't connected. There was not a lick of insulation in the attic. Right. It was just it was ridiculous. And and but we thought we had found the perfect home because it looked nice. Right. Uh, but just just shows you how God works. Right. He puts you in these situations and he, uh, he he sets things up for you and come to find out that wasn't the house for us. Right. So the house that was for us is the house that we're in today. But um, we went through several different homes uh, and though it was painful, though it was difficult, 
we uh, eventually discovered that the home that we're in today was actually the house that was waiting for us. And it's an interesting story, which I'm not going to share with you today because I'll be here all day long and I don't want to get on that. So just know the first thing is it won't be like house hunters, international house hunters, whatever. It, it won't be necessarily uh, something that you your realtor finds you your perfect three houses. You're going to pick one of those and you'll be in your house before you know it, cutting up. Uh, cheese and crackers and serving wine to your family and all that good stuff. That's not exactly how it works. There's a b- little bit more process to it. So be patient. Uh, the second thing I didn't know is, and this is more related to the finances aspect of it, is there's a such thing called private mortgage insurance, right? Or mortgage insurance premium if you do a FHA. And this is something I was completely not aware of. When they were t- talking to us about it, when you start doing your budgets and you start thinking about how much you want to spend on your house, these are certain things that don't necessarily come up. But we're just going to touch on this again. But there's this thing called private mortgage insurance or, again, uh, mortgage insurance premium. And basically what this is, you may be thinking about it. if you don't own a home, you're probably thinking or even if you do own a home. because I know a lot of people who own homes don't even know they pay for this. But. You may be thinking that's part of your homeowner's insurance, right? That if you, you know, if a house catch on fire or you get burglarized or a hurricane or something happens in your home, that your homeowner's insurance will cover that. Well, this private mortgage insurance is not that. This mortgage insurance premium is not that. In fact, it's not even for you, right? It is a fee that is charged to you. But it's for the mortgage company. So it's to whoever, whatever bank that you're getting your loan from or whatever mortgage company you're getting your loan from. What it does is it protects them in the case that you're not able to pay your mortgage. Right. So you are paying extra for this insurance that is not even insurance for you, because if you cannot pay, this insurance does not cover you. (laughs) It only covers the bank or the mortgage company. Right. You still will get foreclosed on if you don't make the payment. You still will give them back their house and they will collect on the insurance policy of this mortgage insurance that you are uh, that you're paying for. Now, it's not on all houses. If you have 20 percent equity or if you put 20 percent down uh, on the house that you're buying. Right. Uh, And basically just give you a real quick synopsis of what an equity is. Equity is basically the value of the home, right? So the the appraised value of the home versus how much of a mortgage that you have on the house, right? So if my house is appraised for $100,000 and I have a mortgage of $80,000, that means I have $20,000 of equity. And in that situation, in that scenario, I would not be forced to or have to pay private mortgage insurance because my equity is more than, you know, to 20%. Once you get to 20%, you can drop that private mortgage insurance. Uh, for those of you who have FHAs, they passed a law several years ago now, and they're, they might have turned it back, but I have, I'm not sure to talk to a mortgage professional about that or, or look that up. Uh, but at one point, they changed the law to where you could not get rid of your mortgage insurance premium. The only way you can get rid of that extra fee is if you were to refinance. And when I say this extra fee, I'm not talking about like a couple of dollars. I'm talking about 80, 100, 200, 300, 400 dollars per month that is tacked on top of your mortgage that you have to pay. Check that out. If you don't know about that or if you're not realizing that you have to pay that, check that out. You may be able to get that knocked off. If for nothing else, you can at least refinance and get it knocked off if you have the equity in your home 
especially if you've been in your house for, you know, five, six, seven, ten years or whatnot, you should be able to uh, get that knocked off, if not refinance to get it knocked off, if your area has approved and you didn't buy, you know, your house at the top of the market. But anyway, so that was something I didn't know about private mortgage insurance. I had no idea what that was or who it was for or why that I even needed it. But there's something I didn't know. I wish I would have been aware of going into uh, getting our house. Uh, the next thing, which is kind of related, is your down payment ain't enough. Right. So say you want to buy a house for two hundred thousand dollars and you say you're going to be a good person. Uh, you're going to do it the right way and you want to do a 20% down payment, right? So you save up $40,000, right? That $40,000 ain't going to be enough. Even if it's a $100,000 house and you saved up $20,000 for your 20% down payment, that down payment ain't going to be enough. Even if (laughs) you went the FHA way and you got the 3.5% down payment, that down payment won't be enough. So, and I really want to stress that because a lot of people feel like, look, if I can just save the down payment for my house, I'll be ready to be a homeowner. Pump your brakes on that because there's a lot of fees. There's a lot of other things that go into the process of buying a home, right? And it's way more than just the down payment. Uh, For example, when you put down uh, an offer on the house and the house uh, gets accepted, the offer gets accepted, or even when you send the offer in, you have to send something called earnest money. This is just money that is non-refundable that basically says that, hey, look, I'm serious about this. Uh, This is my offer. I want to buy this house. If I don't buy this house, you get to keep the earnest money, right? So those are things like that. And that can be anywhere from $150 to $1,000 or whatnot. Usually it's not that big of a deal, uh, but it just depends on the competitive nature of the market at that time. So there's other fees like inspection fees. There's uh, the home inspection fees. You may have to have a separate inspection fee for a termite inspector. Right. Uh, in our case, we went through several houses that we put uh, offers on and the offers got accepted. And we had to pay our inspector several times to come look at houses once we put the deal on. Now, with that being said, it's I'm not saying you should not do that because I think everybody should have an inspection because if we didn't have an inspection and we at least didn't look at the house, we could be we could have got like robbed or, you know, I I probably would have been in prison or jail <laughs> for some of the things I would have done. If I would have bought that house and I realized the ACs ain't even connected, the ducts ain't even in there and there's no no insulation whatsoever in the attic, I would have probably been in the news, right? So I'm glad and thankful that we paid the inspector for keeping me out of jail, right? So I'm not saying that they're not uh, necessary. I'm actually going to encourage you to make sure you get an inspection on your home before you lay down that type of money. But it was some things that you just need to be aware of, right? Uh, So those inspection fees, there may be taxes and title fees that you may have to pay. Traveling a little bit more than maybe what you're used to, like those things matter. When you're going from house to house, looking at these different houses and stuff like that, uh, you know, there may be some travel expenses you got to think about. Uh, You may have to pay taxes on the house itself at the closing table. Additional to the uh, to the down payment, there may be other closing fees that you may have to pay out of pocket. If you got a good realtor, they'll try to make sure that you don't have to pay any of that stuff. They can negotiate really well, especially if the market is favorable for a buyer. But uh, inspections and things like that, that's going to have to come out of pocket. Also, when you move in, if you've ever moved from an apartment to another apartment or out your mama house to an apartment or anything like that, 
you know that you all, there's always things you got to buy that you forget about, right? Uh, there's moving fees. You don't have to pay somebody to move you, right? Or you got to get a truck or U-Haul and get some friends together and buy them some pizza and beer or whatnot and help get them to help you move. When you get in, fellas, you, <laughs> your wife don't want to see no empty room. So you might have to furnish this home, especially if you're coming from a smaller apartment to a bigger home. So furnishing, plants, light bulbs, uh, trash cans, brooms. If you've never, if you don't mow lawns, right, and you're going to mow your own lawn, there's lawnmowers, there's, you know, outdoor equipment, stuff like that, that you're going to have to think about. You don't want to move into a house and have absolutely no money, right? So your down payment, it just ain't enough. Because even if you move in a house, a lot of times people will have, um, what do you call those? Like they have warranties. So when they move in a house, if anything goes wrong within the first couple of months, you may have a warranty that may cover that. A lot of times, you can get the seller to throw that in, right? They'll pay for a warranty for you. But these warranties aren't necessarily free, even though you have them. You may still have to pay $100 or $75 or $500. It may have a deductible connected to that warranty. So if you move into the house and the AC breaks down, you know, within the first couple of months of you moving in, but you spent all your money moving in or on a down payment, you got to get that AC fixed. You got to get that heater fixed. You got to get that furnace fixed. And it may, you may need to be, you may need to do it quickly. Because even if you do have a warranty, waiting on the warranty company to come out there and then pay and then have the people do the work. Say if you're in the middle of winter and you in Chicago and your furnace went out, you ain't got time to be playing with that. Right. So just understand that your down payment by itself won't be enough. So think about creating a bigger buffer uh, for when you uh when you buy your house and when you move in and even as you're moving in, you're going to need to furnish this thing. You'll need to catch any emergencies. They may come forward. Uh, these are just things that you need to think about that uh, we actually did think about to an extent, but it, we still spent a whole lot more than I expected to spend once we moved in. And that's just usually how it happens. Right. Right. Uh, the next thing is just because you have a fixed rate mortgage doesn't mean that your expenses will be fixed. Right. So I always felt or heard that one of the benefits of owning a home is, you know, what your payment is going to be. Right. Like, you know, for the next 30 years or 15 years or whatever, what your payment will be for your house. It's not like renting where the rent can go up 5 percent this year, 5 percent next year or whatever. You're just not sure what your rental is going to be. Well, I thought that was the case uh, for owning a home. But the case, the truth is, that's not the case. Your mortgage may be fixed, right? But your monthly expenses may not be fixed. So let me explain. When everybody talks about uh, buying a house, they talk about PITI. So that's uh, principal, interest, taxes, insurance, right? Uh, So the principal is how much money that you're paying that's actually going towards paying down the house itself. The interest on that, on the mortgage, is the actual interest that you're paying uh, the mortgage company to give you that loan, which <laughs> if you've never seen an amortization schedule, uh, be ready for a surprise. You will be absolutely shocked how much of your payment is going towards interest for the first 15 years and how little is going towards the actual paying down of the of the mortgage. But that's not what I'm supposed to be talking about here. <laughs> so you got your principal, you got your interest, you got your taxes and you got your insurance. This is the part that a lot of people forget about. Right. One, we've already mentioned one of those insurance we call private mortgage insurance or uh, the the insurance premium. Right. The mortgage insurance premium or MIP. We've already talked about that. But there's also the homeowner's insurance. And along with the homeowner's insurance, you have other types of insurances that may be uh, just uh, 
you know, like flood insurances, right? You may not be in a flood zone or maybe you are like down here in Houston. There's a lot of people weren't in a flood zone, but when Harvey came through flooded a lot of houses, if you don't have flood insurance, your homeowner's insurance ain't covering it because flooding is a whole nother beast, right? Uh, so that's something you need to think about. Uh, the other thing is taxes. Taxes is something you need to think about. Now, for most people, it's your first time buying a house. They're probably going to escrow your taxes. So what that means is they're going to make you send in a portion of what they suspect the taxes will be for that following year. Also, a portion of the insurance on a monthly basis. So they'll build up a a, a bank account for you, so to speak, an escrow account that will have all this money in it. And when it's time to pay your insurance, they'll just cut a check out of your escrow account. When it's time to pay your your property taxes, they'll just cut a check out of your escrow account. Now, I don't necessarily like that, but that's not what we're here talking about today. But the point I'm trying to make is, although the mortgage payment is fixed, the insurance on a mortgage is fixed, your property taxes and your uh, your property insurance is not fixed. So let me give you an example. We are in a uh, appreciating area. So the, my neighborhood is appreciating greatly right it's one of the fastest growing at least at one time it was one of the top five fastest growing appreciating areas like in the country um so the home values the property values here are going up but when you might be thinking oh it's a good thing right your property values are going up so i mean your house is worth more that's really only a good well, let me let me not say only a good thing it is a good thing because you know it shows that you're in a decent area right you're not you know the area may be up and coming uh, the area is not in decline things like that so it's a good thing the problem is when the property values go up so does your expenses because if your home was worth 150 when you bought it right and then all of a sudden it's worth two hundred thousand well you may have your homeowner's insurance set to insure a $150,000 house. Well, if the house is now worth $200,000, what happens is the insurance company is going to call you up and say, hey, you're insured for $150,000, but this house is now worth $200,000. So we're going to need you to insure the house for $200,000. And of course, that's going to cost a little bit more on a monthly basis. So you see your expenses begin to rise. Now, the insurance company won't be alone because Uncle Sam, the government, your local government, they won't be left out. Right. Because since your values have gone up. So will your taxes. Right. So these are things that I wasn't necessarily aware about. Now I, I knew I needed to pay taxes. Right. I knew I needed to pay insurance. But for some reason, I felt like what we were paying on our home that that we had escrowed, that that was just kind of what we're going to be paying for the rest of our lives. It caught me off guard when uh, my mortgage company said, hey, uh, we actually have to increase uh, what you pay us on a monthly basis. And I think since we've moved in, it's gone up almost 300 bucks, right? Just because of the way the values have gone up, the way taxes have gone up, the way you know insurance has gone up, that type of thing. And that's not what I was necessarily expecting. And we've only been in our house for a few years. Right. So that is probably more than what I probably would have expected from renting. Right. So just be aware of that, that just because you have a fixed rate mortgage, it doesn't necessarily mean that your expenses will be fixed. Right. Because those are things uh, that go up in value. And of course, when you own a home, 
uh, you know, if something breaks down, you're the one that has to, you know, pay for it. So those are, that's also something to consider. All right. The next thing is, which is coming along the same lines is owning is not necessarily always better than renting. Uh, when you own a house, you you um, you get tied to it uh, in in a sense because it's expensive to get out of the house. Right. So when you bought your house, you heard me talk about like a good realtor will have the seller pay for the you know closing costs, some of the closing costs or they would have them pay for things like warranties, things like that to help you to get into the house. Right. They will pay for some of those things. But the seller usually also pays all the fees that's involved with, you know, the realtors. They usually pay a six percent commission to the realtors that are on the deal or seven percent or whatever the percentage is for your particular area. The seller pays for that stuff, right? So they can pay anywhere from six to 10, up to 15% of the sale price of the home, you know, out to everybody else just to sell the house, right? So if you got into the house for a hundred thousand and you say, Hey, I need to move because, you know, I got a better opportunity this side of the country. Well, it's likely going to cost you money to get out of that, right? Especially if you just moved in, uh, if you didn't have a really big down payment, or property values went the opposite direction, or they stayed flat or whatnot. When you get into the ho- into a house, uh, there's that extra bit of responsibility that you don't necessarily think about, right? You don't necessarily just kind of, you just kind of think, you know, I'll just sell the house and get out of it, but it's not always that easy. And it's not like you can necessarily sell a house like in a day or so, right? Unless you sell it for cash to an advance, to, a, to an investor. And an investor is not going to pay you retail prices on a house. They'll pay you cash, but it's going to be for wholesale prices. They're going to want a discount uh, for your house if you want to get out of it fast. For the most part, you're looking at 30, 40, 50, 60, 90 days uh, in a good area because you got to first find a realtor. You got to get it out on the market. You got to get it prepared, right, to get out on the market. You got to find a buyer. They got to go through their inspection process. They got to go through the closing process. The bank has to approve it and yada, yada, yada. You could be a couple of months before you're out of that house and with a check in your hand. So think about that. The other part is when you're renting, you don't necessarily have to worry about the maintenance aspect of the house. I touched on this already. But again, if the AC unit goes out and you get it has to be replaced, it has to be replaced by you when you own the house. When you're renting, you just call up the landlord and say, hey, this AC's out. I need you to replace it. It's the landlord's responsibility to take care of that. Uh, down here in Houston, if you were renting and the house flooded, well, you know, maybe you lost some stuff. Renters insurance got your stuff back, but you just found another house to, to, to rent. If you own that house and it got flooded, you and you didn't have and you didn't have flood insurance. That's a big deal. You've got to fix that. You got to take care of that. You got to eat that cost. So uh, I just want to say that, you know, there's this big thing about that. If you're renting, you're wasting money. OK, let me say this. And I want to make sure I say this loud and clear. Renting is not wasting money if it's serving you to rent. Right. We say that a lot down here because it may appear to be that it's cheaper to own a house than it is to rent a house, especially down here in Houston, down here in Texas, where housing is pretty inexpensive for the most part. But our property taxes are pretty high. Right. Uh, things like that. These are un, untalked about things. Right. When things break down, when things don't go well, the cost to repair a home can be really high and it can be hard to even catch up to that, especially when you put it up against renting a house when you don't have to take care of those things. Right. So if somebody's telling if you're renting right now and somebody's like, look, you're wasting your money 
renting, you can tell them to kick rocks, right? Because you're you're renting for a reason. Uh, even if it's you're renting because you can't qualify for a home right now, you're in that situation. You're working that out. OK, so you're not wasting money. You're paying for a service. You need a roof over your head anyway. And here's a secret. Most people who own homes, I touched on this earlier. Most of the money that they're paying on their mortgage, if they're within their first 15 to 17 years of their mortgage, most of that money is just going to the bank anyway. It's just paying the bank interest. And you never really own a home anyway. You always got to pay the government. <laughs> you, you always got to pay insurance. Well, you don't have to pay insurance, right? Once you own it free and clear, you can choose not to. But you will always pay property taxes. You're always going to rent your house, your land from the government, right? So don't let anybody discourage you. Don't let anybody rush you if you're not prepared, if you're not ready. When you're renting, you're buying yourself time. You're buying yourself flexibility, right? You're buying that peace of mind. You're buying that that lack. Uh, you're, you're buying that security that, look, if this AC go out, I'm not the one that has to pay for this, right? Unless you signed in a contract that you would do some silly stuff like that, which I hope you didn't do. But anyway, <laughs> uh, next thing is things I wish I would have known. We're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, we got two more pieces. But wish I would have known that, that, and this is this is a piece of advice to you, forget about the traditional markers when it comes to buying a house. So things like the price per square footage and how much you got approved for, for your mortgage, right? Throw those things out the window because number one, price per square footage doesn't mean a thing, right? You can get a mansion in the middle of Kathmandu with, you know, $20 per square foot or whatnot. But if it's not close to your job, if you got to fly all the way to America to, to, to get to your job, it doesn't really, really matter. Right. And the 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 part about the mortgage, a lot of people, they'll get approved for a big mortgage. And these mortgage companies are like, oh, well, you make twenty thousand dollars a year. We'll approve you for a three hundred thousand dollar house. Look, <laughs> don't do it. Right. So don't think about price per, per square foot as this deciding factor. Don't think about what you got approved for as what you need to uh, your price range that you need to look for. What you want to think about is the lifestyle that you want, because in my my neck of the woods, the price for per square foot is fairly high to what I could find if I would have went go to the outskirts of the city. I can find a whole lot more house for my money. The problem is where I would be located, right? So you want to think about your lifestyle. Now, if you are on the outskirts of the city and you can get a whole lot of house per square foot, uh, for you get a whole lot of house for your money and you work out there and you like to shop out there and you have friends that's out there and your life is out there, then that's a good deal. Right. But it's based on lifestyle, not the price per square footage. Right. But if you live out there, but you work, you know, an hour into town and you have to commute every morning and there's no, let's say, metro or no, no type of busing system or train system or anything like that. You're driving your car every day. You're putting mileage on it. You're you're putting you're spending all your money on gas. You spend all your money, your time in traffic. You got to drive across town to pick up your kid from school after you get off of work. You know, if all these things aren't fitting within your your particular lifestyle, then forget about that. You want to think about location and lifestyle, location and lifestyle. Uh, because you, you want to count the whole cost. They talk about that earlier that your 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 down payment is not enough, right? Your expenses aren't just fixed, right? It's more than just a mortgage. 
if you're commuting every day for several hours per day, that's costing you. Not only is it costing you money, it's costing you future money and maintenance and things like that, but it's costing you time. It's costing you energy. It's costing you peace of mind. It's costing you freedom because the more time you spend sitting in traffic, right, that uh, takes away from the time that you could be maybe building something for the future, right? Because I, I say this all the time. Everybody should have a job, but everybody should have more than just a, jo- a job, right? You should be working towards something else where you can disconnect your time uh, with your dollars, right? You want to be able to get to the point to where you're not necessarily working, trading your time for dollars, but that your your skill, your expertise is being paid for whether you're there or not. So that's something to think about. Think about uh, flood zones, right? If you are in a flood zone, that may be something you want to think about. So you may see the best price per square footage or whatnot, and that's within that range of you know what the mortgage company says you can have. But look, if it's in a flood zone, you got to think about that. You have to pay. You have to pay for flood insurance. And when you're in a in a flood zone, your flood insurance is way more expensive than somebody who is not in a flood zone. So that's something you want to think about. Think about your commute. Think about the proximity. Think about your location, know where you are, know where you where you're buying your house. Think about all the costs, the total cost of everything and the lifestyle that you want. If you know you want to go to the plays and the shows and that's all downtown, and you like to go to different restaurants and your churches in town or whatnot. Then those are the type of things you want to think about, uh, especially when it comes to buying your house. And also you want to think about, like, is the area up and coming? Are jobs coming into town? Or are they leaving town? Right. Those are things you want to think about that you won't find on a sheet on an MLS sheet that says hey this this price per square foot is $80 per square foot or whatever right that's i mean that's a good start i guess it's a good idea to have it's a good comparison once you got that apples to apples comparison but for the most part it means nothing if you don't take into account what you want your lifestyle to be and again Whatever you got approved for is for that mortgage. Forget it. Throw that out the window. What you want to focus on is what you want to pay. (laughs) Right. Like we got approved for a whole lot more than what we're actually paying because it was about what I wanted to pay, what we wanted to pay in relation to the lifestyle we want to have. So it was like we could get this big mortgage. We can get this big, beautiful house. But do we want to furnish the house? Do we want to ever leave the house? Do we want to still take vacations? Do we still want to go out on dates? Do we still want our children to participate in things? Do we want to do stuff other than be in our house? So I can maybe afford a house that's twice the cost of what we're in now, but it doesn't mean it makes a good, it makes sense for me to buy that house, right? Because you don't want to be house poor, right? Or what is it? Is it house rich and cash poor or whatever the situation may be? But anyway, last thing I want to say is, and you've heard me say this before, and you've probably heard other people say this, that your house is not an asset, right? And I first heard this from Robert Kiyosaki in the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, It threw a lot of people for the loop because this came out in, this book is old now, it came out in 99. And uh, before that, everybody considered your house an asset, right? And I'm not saying that you should not buy a house, right? Uh, You should buy a house because there's some cool things you can do with your home ownership with some equity. It's, it's there's kind of this forced savings thing that plays in, in a role there. There's some things you can do. There's there's this feeling that you get when you own your own house and you feel grounded, things like that. There's there's some tangibles, some intangibles there about owning a house and some tangibles. Uh, so I'm not saying you don't need to own a house, but don't mistake your house as an asset. So a lot of people buy as much house as they could possibly afford because they believe that their house value is the asset. Your house value is not the asset unless you're putting that value to work. Right. And for the most part, you're not, especially in the beginning. What it's doing is just costing you money. 
right? Robert Kiyosaki said something that has resonated with me and I've, I've run with it and I teach it and I stand by it to this day. An asset is something. You got to know the difference between an asset and a liability, right? An asset is something that puts money in your pocket. A liability is something that takes money out of your pocket, right? An asset will feed you. A liability will eat you. So if you were to lose your job and you got that big fancy house with that big beautiful mortgage, will that mortgage eat you or feed you when you don't have your job and you can't make the payments? It will eat you. In fact, it will eat you faster than if you were renting or if you had a smaller mortgage or whatnot. So your house is not an asset. It would be an asset if you owned the house and it was giving you some cash flow. If it was, say, a rental property or a duplex where you live on one side and somebody and you're renting out the other side and that person who is paying the rent is paying for the entire mortgage or most of it or whatnot, right? That would be an asset. But if it's just your house, you're living in it, you're paying for it, you're furnishing it, you're repairing it, you're fixing it, you're maintaining it, that's not an asset. It only becomes an asset when you make it an asset. And the only way you make an asset is when you make it produce produce money for you, whether it be access to capital through your equity or you sold your house or you moved out, start renting it out, those type of things. So don't believe that your house is an asset unless it's giving you money. Right. That's really important thing to think about. Uh, And again, I'm not saying don't take care of your house. I'm not saying don't fix up your house. I'm not saying any of that stuff. You should do all those things. It's your home. Right. Make it your home. Uh, But don't mistake it for some type of investment unless it is actually an investment and if it's an investment we've talked about this before the investment is paying you right you're not paying it so there's something just to think about right so that's all i got today right so those are the things i wish i would have known that one uh that it won't be like house hunters right you won't get three houses and move on private mortgage insurance is a real thing that i knew nothing about and it doesn't even benefit me i was just paying for it And for no reason at all, your down payment ain't going to be enough. There's going to be a whole lot more expenses that's involved with you buying your house, moving into your house and maintaining your house than you probably think about right now. A fixed rate mortgage does not equal fixed rate expenses. That does not equal fixed rate costs when it comes to owning your house, right? There are other costs and other things that can go up on you that I did not calculate. Nobody necessarily told me about uh, that I want to tell you about. Owning is not always, you know, cut and dry better than renting. I want you to own something someday if, if you're prepared for it. But if you're not, if it's not in your wheelhouse, if it's not in your game plan, uh, don't feel guilty about it. It's not always honky dory. Even if your home values go up, like say twenty, thirty thousand dollars and you sell it, sometimes it may cost you twenty, thirty, thirty thousand dollars just to sell your house. Right. So just because the values went up a few thousand dollars, that doesn't mean anything. We talked about this before that men lie. Women lie. Numbers do, too. And one of those numbers is your home value. It doesn't mean anything. Your net worth doesn't mean anything. If this stuff can't feed you when times get rough, it don't mean nothing. Right. I'll put a link to that episode that I did over a year ago. Men lie. Women lie. Numbers do, too. It's, it's a good one, I think. And then forget about the traditional markers of, of home ownership that people tell you about, that you should be looking for the best price per square foot or you should get uh, the most house you can based on uh, what you got approved for. A good rule of thumb is never 
<laughs> by what you got approved for because they usually can approve you up from 40 to 50 percent of what you can pay anyway and you don't want that type of uh, nut coming out of your your cash flow every single month you know I do follow one part of Dave Ramsey he talked about, which is really helpful for us. It's a good rule of thumb. It's not concrete, but think about your home. Your living expenses is no more than 25 percent of your take home pay. Right. That was a good rule of thumb for us. And it's paid off for us quite, quite well. Right. We were able to buy our house. My wife was able to stay home with our children and we were able to build some things. And, you know, we've moved up from there because we had that that leanness. We had that that freed up cash flow to do those things. And then last last but definitely not least, just realize that your home itself is not an asset. Understand the difference between an asset and a liability. An asset will eat you. Excuse me. No, an asset will feed you. (laughs) That was way wrong. And a liability will eat you when you don't have any income coming in. Right. So that's all I got today. Hopefully that was helpful. If you thought so, do me a favor. Let me know. Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five star rating and review. It's a whole lot easier to do these days than it was before, especially if you have the new Apple Podcast app under iOS 11. And also, if you feel like this could help somebody, right, at least your spouse, especially if y'all are getting ready to buy a house within the next year or two years or six months or whatever it may be, share this thing out. Let people know because uh, we want to we want this to be be a deal. I want when people buy their house that it really does bless them and not become a big burden to them. And there's a lot of things that, you know, if I wasn't as flexible as, as I am, uh, that our home could have became a burden to us. Right. And I know some people who bought homes and their home became a burden to them because they thought they were doing the right thing. But we want to make sure that we count all the costs. Right. The good shepherd tells us which one of us will build a home without first counting all the costs. And so I want to make sure that we know all the costs uh, when it comes down to home ownership. So share this thing out. Let people know if you have any questions about home ownership next week. Uh, I think what we're going to do is talk about uh, what you could do to prepare yourself financially to make sure that you do get approved. Right. And make sure you are prepared to uh, get that house, get the right house, close on a house and all that good stuff. And you have no headaches and no sweats or whether or not the bank is going to approve you. So we'll go through that next week. So stay tuned for that. Again, thank you so much for listening. I, you know, I really do appreciate this. It really blesses my heart to hear from y'all. It really does. Right. Uh, I love you. And God bless. MPS. MPS. I said we're talking about money.